ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You know how much we love to share our favorite books with you here on the podcast. We all love to cozy up with a book and a cup of tea, but the truth is, we're always on the go. That is the absolute truth. And audiobooks have been a really incredible way to keep up with our reading while doing lots of other things in our lives. So driving the kids to school, hiking, taking trips to the dog park, or most importantly, folding laundry. I do not like to waste my time. So listening to an audiobook while I fold laundry makes me feel like I'm doing something important. Sandy, what are you listening to these days? Right now, I am absolutely loving Americana, which is a novel by Chimananda Ngozi Adichie. She was the one who wrote We Should All Be Feminists. That's where I was introduced to her, and I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. And you? I am also reading a novel right now, The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer. And if you have not read this book yet or seen it all over the internet and all over the bookstore, you should definitely download it. It's amazing. You can get The Female Persuasion or Americana or a different audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast, Episode 76, Leah. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery, as well as our special guest for today, Leah Niederthal. Leah is an entrepreneur who has built and sold three ventures, and she's currently working on a business that helps other entrepreneurs sell what they make. For Leah, when she transitioned into entrepreneurship, sales was tricky and challenging for her. And I think because selling doesn't come naturally to just about any of us, uh, she was in a very common predicament. So what happened for Leah is that she went to work teaching herself everything she could about how to get good at sales and how to do sales in a way that felt honest and had integrity for her. So what she's done is she's captured and distilled that process, and now that's what she does with her clients. This is a particularly helpful episode for any of you, myself included, who have ever struggled with selling what you make. I think you're going to learn a lot from Leah. So without further ado, let's get started. Leah, you specialize in helping women with selling. So a lot of our clients fall into the category of women and women who struggle with the idea of selling what they're building online. So you're kind of the perfect guest for our community. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for having me. So fun to be here. Let's go ahead and get started. I know I read a bit about your background, but I'd love to hear in your own words just sort of a short history of how you got into this online business space, what you were doing before, what your education was in, and 
and whether or not you felt kind of called to this this online business space from a young age or if this is a relatively new transition for you. Yeah, absolutely. I came here kind of, I fell backwards into it, if you want to think of it that way. So I built my career in marketing. I was living in Chicago and working at advertising agencies. And in 2011, I left the corporate world to start my own business. It was a marketing agency, right? Having come from marketing. And I realized pretty quickly that I didn't know how to sell and get clients to save my life. Everything felt really uncomfortable. Talking to people felt uh, just everything felt very salesy. Um, And even though I'd come from marketing, I didn't know how to sell. And I found out pretty quickly what I'm sure a lot of your uh, users or an audience and all these people understand, which is it's a thousand times harder to sell your own stuff than it is to sell on behalf of somebody else. And I even hit rock bottom uh, if in the sense that and rock bottom, you know, for a business owner is to go back and get a job. And so and I did that. So I went back to the corporate world and got a job. And about six months later, I thought to myself, this is awful. I hate this. Uh, I really I'd already had a taste of running my own thing. And I had a taste of, you know, all the things that come with that, like being able to go on a run in the middle of the day if you want to, all of that. So I said, if I am going to succeed in this, I need to know how to get clients. And so I set about teaching myself because I didn't want to do it the way I had learned or the way I had seen anybody else do it. Uh, none of the old, like sale, the salespeople who had sold to me, none of the sort of old sales guy masters, you know, I wanted to do it in a way that really felt right to me and comfortable. And so I taught myself everything I could about selling. I read like 65 books, everything that felt good. I kept everything that felt salesy. I discarded and I sort of created and refined a selling style that started to work and a selling methodology that works. And using that methodology, I have a 92% win rate. And that's what I teach other business owners how to do it. But you know, the real reason I do it is because I am. I wish I had somebody like me when I first started out. So, uh, because I know a lot of women struggle with this. I don't think there's a woman alive that doesn't struggle. You know, it, it just we hear it all the time. And there's this perception that you are, as you said, salesy or scammy or spammy in some way. And it's just this horrible feeling. You do not want to show up in this world in that way. So tell me, when you were doing your research and you were reading all this stuff, all the books and all the resources that you could find, do you have any sense of like what percentage you took and what percentage you had to throw away because it didn't feel good? Oh, I threw away so much. Um, and all of these things that I was learning, I was testing. And so I would also see how it felt to me, but also how it felt to my clients and, uh, you know, whether it worked or didn't work and how it felt. So, uh, you know, I read a whole book by like one of the famed sales masters that I had to essentially discard, which was all these ways to close, you know, the puppy dog clothes and the shame clothes and this clothes and that clothes. And I was like, I don't want to this, these are the sort of salesy tactics that I'm not interested in. But I also read books from behavioral economics and psychology and linguistics and uh, social dynamics and all of these things that I started weaving into my selling methodology and my selling style. And honestly, that's what I ended up keeping most of, right? Because it was how the world works and how people work and how to show up in the world and how to leverage and sort of work within what people think and feel and and how what feels right to you. I definitely pulled some sales best practices on how to get referrals or how to write proposals or you know pricing and all of that. Most of what I kept around the way selling feels came from outside selling. 
So Leo, when you were doing this work, it was really to build your own marketing firm. And, and so at what point did you decide to transition fully into teaching other people how to master what you've just taught yourself? Yeah. So I ran the marketing firm with my former business partner for several years. Well, I'll tell you the whole story really, because it's, you know, it's a podcast and it's intimate. So we ran this marketing firm, we ran several other businesses and uh, we were business partners and life partners. Right. And so when that relationship ended, I walked away from all the businesses, some one of which is still going in quite successful. So uh, I sort of had to start over in a way. And mm. I started working with a woman who was a very successful consultant and speaker and author. And I started working with her as a managing director. And part of my charge was to grow her revenue uh, because she had been successful sort of in spite of herself. There was so much more that she could do. And so over the course of several years, we tripled her revenue. And at one point I looked up and I said, there are so many more people who need to know how to do this. So that's when I took what I had learned in my four-year self-study course, and I had applied to her business and applied to my own business, and then I started applying it to other people's businesses as well. And so were you doing that as a consultant directly with those other businesses at that point? Yeah, I was working with them one-on-one. -on -one. It's actually been a journey. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of you know, encouraging people to try doing a lot of things, and you will sort of find a way to niche down. You'll see what feels right. Because in my case, I wanted to do, you know, all the marketing and all the sales and all the biz dev and all the sales operations. And then after about a year, I thought to myself, well, some of this I really don't enjoy. Uh, I don't enjoy setting up people's like Salesforce implementations. And I don't enjoy, you know, these other parts of this. And what I really enjoy is helping people find the confidence and build the know-how to actually go out and sell. So that's how I went from sort of doing all the things to really focusing in on this one area. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And Leah, can you share with us, so say we were coming to you as a prospective client, what would that process look like for you to begin to client, work? With what, do you, what are you looking for that might need tweaking? How do you help people with where they are get to where they wanna be? Like, what is that process? How does that work? Are you talking about how they would sort of interact with me in a as they were considering working with me or once we started working together? Yeah, you obviously have a set of best practices that you've developed. And so how do you tease out where people can be improving? Like where to put the energy in the sales process? We start with a little bit of what the process is to bring on a client, right? Because I think one thing that is a big indicator of somebody's ability to get revenue is how the sales process is organized, right? Do they have one? Is it in their head? Is it in their inbox somewhere? Is it on Post-its? That's one thing that we focus on. And I have a nine-step process that we go through, and this is the first one. We talk about how what's in your pipeline now, right? A lot of people don't really consider this goal of bringing on clients. They don't think about it in like a pipeline sort of framework in the sense that you need enough in their pipeline to make the money that you want to make. So the health of your pipeline is a good indicator in the health of your business. But we also talk about how selling feels and how you are approaching your prospects, right? We do a lot of work on unpacking some of the things and some of the beliefs that you carry with you from perhaps your childhood or perhaps your corporate life, the things that we hear and we might have internalized about what women are supposed to do and not do, right? That's a big part of this. 
So once we sort of do what I call building the house and furnishing it and moving in, then we can invite people over. So that's when we start to move into the how of selling, right? How do you get leads? How do you move to a conversation? How do you do a great discovery call? How do you move your prospects down the sales process? And uh, let's talk about your pricing and your packages and proposals. That's sort of the how of selling. And then we focus on, and that's sort of three modules on that. And then we focus on how do you keep what you propose and maximize it. So we focus on negotiating. And then how do you turn your work into more work through referrals and upsells? And then finally, how do you streamline all of that so that it's easier when you're running your own business and you have to juggle selling with other parts of the business? How do you make the selling part easier? Because if it's not easy, you won't do it. So could you describe, do you have a typical client? What does she look like? What does she do? Who is she? I'd love to hear who you actually work with. The typical client would come to me after building her career in the corporate world. She's probably, she's a rock star, right? She nailed it. She is good and she knows it. And she has always been an overachiever. And so that's how she knows that when she leaves the corporate world and she wants to to start her own company, to do things her way or to serve the clients that she wants, she has a sense of, she knows how to do this because the work is good. When she starts down this process, she probably had some people who came to her just because they knew her based on reputation right? Or because they know how good she is, but she hasn't been doing any sort of marketing or business development in any meaningful way. And of all the things that she knows how to do and she is good at, and she has like just nailed in her career or in her life, this is something that's like a whole, that's, it's, it's a skill set that's missing. And that's kind of uncomfortable because this is somebody who probably was good at a lot of things, you know? Um, But Mm -hmm. it's also somebody who wants to be better and is willing to invest the time to be better and sort of close the gap from where she is to where she wants to be. You know, if she's saying, I need to sort of do a big girl version of this, right? Really start to do business development in a meaningful way. I hate the sales part, but clearly I'm the only one who's doing who can do it because this is my business. Or I want to get the clients that I really want, not the clients that just happen to come my way. That's a big distinction. Yeah. So those are the women who find me and who come to me and who can benefit the most from this type of learning. These women, they don't know that they don't have that skill set until they get out there or on their own as an entrepreneur and and probably realize, oh my God, I am missing this part that I desperately need to succeed in business. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And they might say, uh, how could I not know how to do this? Shouldn't I know how to do this? Right. I know how to do everything else really well. This can't be that hard. This really can't be that hard. But then they sit down to write an email to somebody who they might want to work with or who can benefit from working with them and nothing comes out. Or they you know, get on the phone with somebody or have a meeting with someone and uh, they don't quite know how to position their business in the best way possible or how to go from the polite niceties to, okay, let's move the business forward or even how to ask for the business or price themselves. These are the things that they don't yet know how to do because frankly, they've never had to learn that. Where does that stem from? And all the women that you've worked with, what do you think it is looking back at childhood or internalizing? Why does this happen to us? Well, I think this on the how of selling the skills, it's really because they've just never had to do it before. People, you know, they have a skill set that they've built that is not in selling. What I call selling shyness that part, the part that makes selling feel weird, that makes us feel salesy or worry that we're bothering somebody, I really think it comes from the messages that we hear 
really starting from childhood about what women are supposed to do or not do. You know, you're not supposed to be pushy. If you assert yourself, you are pushy or bossy. We're taught not to put ourselves first. We put others first. We don't know how to ask for what we want in all areas of our lives. And all of that sort of comes together and combines with even our experiences from high school and college and dating and all, you know, every experience sort of weaves into this. One of my clients, she had written a proposal. She sent it to her client. He wasn't going to move forward. And I said, oh, well, did you follow up and ask, you know, ask why or ask for more information? And she said, uh, no. And I said, I asked her why not. And she said, well, I didn't want to look desperate. Hmm. And, you know, that's not a rational viewpoint or that comes from somewhere else, you know? Oh yeah. That's wild. It comes comes from, it comes from a much different place than, yeah. I mean, I can, my business can provide tremendous value for him and his business, but that's a, that's a rational level, but that response came from somewhere else. Yeah. And I've felt that too before in my business. And now hearing you describe that situation with respect to someone else, I can see that's coming from another place. But when I felt those feelings, I didn't recognize them in my own being, right? So that's so interesting. Every like authority figure who told you to sort of settle down or every boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, every dating experience that didn't work out, every kid who might have teased you on the playground, all of that goes into who we are. And then we bring all of that into a sales environment. And it's almost amplified because it's high stakes. It is... Uh, very personal when you're selling your own stuff. And there is a very clear sort of win or lose. So it, it just amps it up entirely. I feel like entrepreneurship brings its own brand of rejection with it, regardless of how successful you are. Like it still comes with a tremendous amount of rejection because you're putting yourself out there and not everyone wants to buy what you're selling. And I think it's very hard, especially early on, not to take that personally. Um, Because especially when we're putting our heart and soul into the businesses that we're building. So I have a question related to the kinds of strategies you've been mentioning in the sales process. They feel very hands-on. And we have advised our community and our client base to really focus on using networking in the initial stages of building a business. Because a lot of people come to us because they're in the process of transitioning sort of brick and mortar or in-person business into an online business. And I think there's this belief that comes along with it that it's all funnels and systems and (laughs) email marketing and sort of a hands-off approach. And so I just wonder from your perspective, how how important is that human-to-human connection in the sales process? And can you replicate that maybe even eventually through automated systems online? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I see exactly what you see, which is people hoping, I think, that technology and systems can replace all this because this is not easy, right? And it's it's personal and mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's rejection in it and all the things we've been talking about. But I think that person-to-person selling, this sort of consultative selling will always be a part of this because, you know, even if your clients buy or your customers buy online, you're always going to have to sell to, for example, potential partners or other distribution channels, or, you know, funders, or whoever, right? There's always this element of selling to somebody. And I think the 
when you focus on the person to person selling, it makes every channel, every other selling channel better because you can, for example, test out messaging, what hits and what doesn't, what resonates and what doesn't, what feels right to you to say and what gets a reaction from your listener. And you can be there to have that conversation. You can understand what objections people have as they consider purchasing your product or services, and you can address those objections. You can understand how people make their decision. Are there other people involved in the sales process? You know, it could be something that requires multiple people to weigh in, even if you're that person who's purchasing is just an individual purchasing it for themselves. So all of that provides really good information for how people buy. And then you can take that into an online channel. But by then you've developed your voice, you've developed a better understanding and you're not just sort of making it up because I think if you skip that process and just go to the, the digital avenue, you're, you don't have the information that you need to really help people buy. Yeah. And I think so many people do that. They just build it. They, they write some emails and just sit there and wait and watch their inbox, hoping that the sales are going to be there. Jenny and I have been really aware in our own business and in our teachers' businesses that the early stages are, it's really critical to get on the phone with people and talk to them for many reasons. I mean, you've listed off many there, but I think it's the only way. And so it's not a passive activity in any way, shape or form at this point. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say that in our company, even though it's a software company and we have an online teaching business as well, it's still way more human connection than I ever anticipated when we were building this company. I mean, we don't know every single one of our clients, but certainly a lot of them, probably half of them we have personal relationships with. And I wouldn't want it any other way. Looking at it, I think there's this grand idea that like you're making money in your sleep and there's all these strangers buying what you have to sell. But having had a little bit of that and then also having a lot of community being built through our sales process, I feel like much more grateful for and drawn to the interactive piece of it because it's still online, but it's also a very real set of human connections. To me, that's far more rewarding. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. One of the concerns I hear from women about selling is I feel like I'm being salesy and I feel like I'm being pushy. Well, and if you look at how they're trying to bring on clients or customers or whoever, when you, you know, just go straight to digital and like funnels and all that stuff, it's basically like, here's the thing, do you want it? Right. And that's not the kind of interaction that feels good. That's not the kind of interaction that that helps people buy. That's not the kind of interaction that helps us hear what the actual pains are that people are experiencing. Yeah, it's a commodity. I mean, then you've made what you sell a commodity that's interchangeable with any other product that they're finding online or offline that does the same thing. Right, exactly. And it doesn't feel good to sell it. Yeah. So could you give us maybe one or two tips for our listeners? So if they're listening to you going, oh my God, that's me, I have this issue. Is there some bit of advice you could help them to sort of start shifting their mindset to have a more positive experience with selling? Yeah, definitely. So there are a lot of things, but I think the things that have the 
highest and fastest impact are to really understand and focus on articulating your value, not just what you do, you know, if you do PR or you sell this or what have you, really focus on the value that your work brings to your clients and articulate that in every touch point. Because one of the things, the big mindset shift that I think is so critical is that for all the women I work with, and I'm sure all the women that you work with too, your work provides tremendous value. And when you can really sort of step into that value and own it and be comfortable articulating it to your clients, then the sales process becomes about offering that value and not asking to be hired. And so with my clients, I spend a lot of time in our, you know, the program, there's a lot of focus on really articulating that value. I think people write and speak when they're trying to sell something about their work and what they think and what they have, but they're missing the part that the receiver of that information, the person you want to sell to, you need to switch it around and put it in their language, how it will affect their life and how it will make this much something easier or it'll you know, save time or save money or make you healthier, whatever it is, right? So they need to switch the thinking, the way that they approach the words that they use. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, another important tip is just back to the sales process, understanding what the steps are and starting to really track the potential opportunities that are in your pipeline. It's a difference between, you know, walking through a forest with no map and no compass versus walking through a forest with a compass and Google Maps, right? You will always know better where you are and how close you are to revenue when you start to look at what the steps are in your sales process and literally moving, you guys can't see me, but I'm moving my hands, like moving those opportunities down a sales process and having a 30,000 foot view. Because if you, once you track these things and once you see what's in your pipeline, there's that phrase, what gets measured gets done. You'll be able to know how close you are to revenue. Are you on track to make the money that you want to make? What opportunities and what potential clients require your attention? It'll start to give you a more control of something that a lot of people don't feel in control of at all. Leah, you're using this word pipeline and we understand what it means, but could you just define it for our audience in case this is so new to, to I'm sure some people who haven't transitioned into entrepreneurship and haven't had to make their first sale yet. What is a pipeline? Sure. A pipeline is the series of steps that your clients go through to, to sign on with you. A pipeline is it's both that process and a representation of the potential revenue that you are pursuing. So for example, let's say that you're talking to mm -hmm. five clients, five potential clients, and each of those clients represents about $10,000 in every contract. So what you have in your pipeline is $50,000. There might be people who are closer to the end, you know, like closer to saying yes. So there might be people who are at the beginning of the pipeline. Maybe they just filled out your contact us form or something, but the pipeline is that overall representation of the number of potential opportunities you're pursuing and the revenue associated with those. Okay. And if someone has no pipeline, because I know a lot of our listeners are just in the early stages of business, how do they go about setting that up? I know it's context specific, but are there a few pointers that you give out to your clients or your community about how to even go about creating a pipeline? You're talking about building a pipeline in terms of getting leads? Yeah, from scratch. Well, mm -hmm. when you're starting from scratch, I would say try everything one at a time. So 
what a lot of people do is they go to maybe every networking thing and they do all the Facebook and they do all the Twitter and they do all the LinkedIn all together, all at one time, and mostly pretty poorly, right? If you do a little bit of everything. So I always encourage people to try something for 30, 60, 90 days and go hard on it. See if it works, right? See what the results are and then move on. Because if you do a lot of things poorly, and trust me, I did this for many years. I did a lot of things just a little bit. It's more valuable to try different channels one at a time and see what resonates and what can get results. Yeah, thank you. That's helpful. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay, Leah, we are going to run you through Proust's questionnaire. I'm going to ask you some short questions and you're just going to give me your answers as they pop into your head. All right. Okay. I feel like I'm on Inside the Actor's Studio. This is <laughs> what is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh my gosh. Um, I think being uh, with my wife in some sort of beautiful house uh, with a balcony in the woods and we're looking like into the woods somewhere and we are drinking wine. I can just see your mind going and you're like actually imagining that, picturing that as you're describing it. It's my like zen moment. <laughs> what is your greatest fear? Oh God, being insignificant. Which living person do you most admire? Diana Nyad. What is your greatest extravagance? Bikes. Because I see one right behind you. Two. I two see of two, them. At least two. <laughs> I love it. What is the quality you most like in a person? Integrity. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? <laughs> seize up. I, my <laughs> wife makes fun of me because I use the phrase seize up all the time. What do you consider your greatest achievement? Surviving a stroke. If you were to die and come back as a person or thing, what would it be? My dog. Where would you most like to live? Exactly where I am. Who are your favorite writers? That's a good one. Uh, James Michener and Gay Hendricks. What is it that you most dislike? People who don't blow their nose and just keep sniffling over and over and over. <laughs> what is your motto? <laughs> if you focus on change, you will get results. If you focus on results, you will never change. Ah, I love it. Thank you very much. That was fun. Okay, and let's go ahead and dive into the joy and hustle, which I know you did prepare. Leah, so every episode, we like to offer a resource that brings joy to our audience and also a tool to help them hustle. So what do you have in terms of joy to offer our listeners? One thing that gives me like... And uh, <laughs> an outsized amount of joy is, do you guys know like sweater shavers? Yeah. Yes. Do you know what that is? <laughs> yes, totally. <gasps> so, so I love to do this to my sweaters, like when they start to mm -hmm. pill yeah. or and I do it to sweatshirts or t-shirts or anything. You take a sweater shaver and you sort of clean it up and all of a sudden you have a brand new sweater and it's like- Brand new. That it's the same sort of satisfaction as like, popping a pimple or something like you just it's all it's that might sound weird but it just it's clean and new and fresh and you can see what comes off of it so do you use the electronic one or do you use the one that looks like a piece of coal like the manual old-fashioned one I use the electronic one okay uh -huh. so I've never gotten one I, I'm kind of jealous now I think that they work better they're, right? they're like $20 too they're not expensive no they're not there's nothing oh keeping God. you from 
achieving your sweater shaving goals. <laughs> if someone has not done that or purchased a sweater shaver, I think you just might have changed somebody's <laughs> life. Okay, so what about a tool to help them hustle? So I'm the biggest fan of customer relationship management software or CRM. And I know that every business, big or small, can benefit from a customer relationship management tool because it keeps everything that contributes to your revenue, right? Everything that helps you get clients, it puts it all in one. This is where you do your pipeline. Right. It's exactly where you do your pipeline. It's where you keep all of your contacts. It's where you keep your notes on potential clients. It's everything. And it's especially when you when you get it set up properly and you use it well, it can turn the network of people that you've met and connected with over your life, it can turn them into gold. So I recommend that everybody look into and sign up for um, a CRM. The ones that I like, I've been using Nimble for years and other people like HubSpot or ProsperWorks. There are a lot of different ones, but anyone is better than none. Yeah. We've used Close.io um, in the past and, and we really liked it. Yeah. I mean, they're getting better and better. Yeah, that's that's yeah, a great recommendation. Great. That one you can even make phone calls through mm -hmm. too, so you can track who you've talked to and when you've talked. It's great. I think that's a really good piece of advice, especially for anyone listening that has kind of a bigger service-based business with higher ticket clients. You need to be using a tool like this. I used a Google spreadsheet, a Google sheet for the first like 18 months of running Namastream and it was like a really bad idea. <laughs> like it would have been so much better to just invest in a CRM software earlier. So learn from our mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so Leah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Where can our listeners find you online? They can find me at smartgetspaid.com or on LinkedIn. Perfect. And we'll include a link to you in the show notes as well. Thanks, everyone. We will see you on Wednesday for an Office Hours episode. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start, to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba teacher to sign up. It's totally free.